0: talked about some of the things they've gone through such as female genital mutilation fgm Um, which yes. I met a lot of people working to stop that. That's been an ongoing problem in Egypt. Yes. And, uh, and so these women were Each. watching this women march in D.C. with no real, with no real uh, voice, no real right that they were fighting for. And they were almost feeling like it hurt their cause because they're like, what does it matter if we ever do anything when this is what gets news? And what are you fighting right. for? America is supposed to be a beacon. We look at the rights of women in America, and they were actually really frustrated. They were kind of like almost getting angry at me. I was like, well, I wasn't there. I wasn't there.
1: And, right. Uh, it's embarrassing. Just, Thing. It it's it's embarrassing cause. because we trivialize we trivialize women's rights in the United States, and and we have no so many women in the United States have no idea the real oppression that other women internationally right. are dealing with. And yeah, Jennifer, it is. It's embarrassing.
2: With well, a big question on everyone's mind, it's a gender thing, or is it? World peace, religion, sex, money, politics, climate change, big business, big ideas, and big egos, nothing is off limits, as I'm joined by some of the most accomplished and highly opinionated women from the far left, the far right, and the far reaches of the planet. This is Malcolm Out Loud, and you're listening to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure. One has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Well, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. And those are the words of JFK, one of our greatest presidents, and. Uh, he said that, and you could, you could say that just right this moment as we look at the Iranian protest. Uh, and this is not the first time now that this has happened in Iran. Uh, quite the contrary, it is. But is this different than any other time? Is Could this be a game changer is, is really the question. And, and I think that's what I think a lot of people are trying to sense. It's an uprising that began on December 30th in 2017. And it started because of the prices of goods and food and what have you had become so expensive. And then, of course, they turned on the regime. And the regime of uh, Rouhani, the uh, president of Iran, uh, has taken some heat for this. Uh, this regime, they say, uh, is could be in a lot of trouble. Could this be a turning point for the Iranian people? And what's most interesting about this one, by the way, which we're going to talk about here, is the women are standing tall. I'm noticing in a lot of the protests and a lot of the marches, and the women are very, very vocal. They are out in front of this one. I find that quite fascinating for the country of Iran, where women's rights in a lot of that area have been uh, certainly uh, oppressed, and uh, they uh, have really been uh, treated as an underclass in so many ways, and yet here's a moment in time. Let's just hope that it turns the right way, friends. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. It is Malcolm out loud here, and our co-host today joining us on the show, Jennifer Breeden, is here. She's an attorney specializing in international law, works quite a bit, actually, in the Middle East, U.S. foreign policy, and uh, uh, look forward to her um, contributions here today. Sergeant Betsy Smith is here and she uh, knows uh, about these kinds of things as well. She's a police officer for 29 years, a law enforcement trainer and consultant to the industry uh well regarded in law enforcement circles missy crutchfield is here she's co-founder of gandhi's b magazine and of gandhi global center for peace and certainly stands up for women around the globe on a regular basis it's good to have all of you here ladies on life liberty and the pursuit of pleasure and in this case today it's the pursuit of freedom the pursuit of freedom So these protests started at the end of the year, and uh, there's something different about this time. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I am hoping that Jennifer Breeden can. Let's start with her and see what is different, Jennifer, this time around. If there is anything, what's different about these Iranian protests?
0: What's different is that the world is paying attention, and honestly, and you know, sometimes it's hard to say this, but it is true that the United States has their back. So we're talking about, you know, the Green Revolution, some of these other, you know, small protests that have happened before, specifically during the Obama administration with some of their ties to the Iranian regime and trying to kind of appease them, uh, that we never had any U.S. support. And whether anyone likes it or not, when the U.S. supports a movement overseas, that movement gains traction. That's just the right. end of the story. And right now you have the U.S. president, like his tweets or not, that is supporting these Iranian protests. And that gives them strength. It gives them it lets them know that they are not alone, because that's one of the most important things in the Middle East is they need to know they're not alone. And despite your feelings or your political leanings either way Mm -hmm. um, of the U.S. president, the U.S. president backing you gives you power in the Middle East. It just helps that way. And that's what makes this different, first and foremost. Um, Secondly, you talked about the women. I love that because, um, yes, it's always surprising in some of these places, but not if you've gotten to know some Iranian women. And I'll even throw the Kurdish Women in there too, because the uh, the ethnic variations are very similar between Persians, which is now modern-day Iran, and, and Kurds. Um, and which are of ancient Medes and so it's really neat to see those those similarities but the women are so so strong very similar to some things you see about uh, some of these Israeli women and really women in much of the Middle East but they really have a voice in Iran in fact several years ago uh, when they were really cracking down on the headscarves the hijabs the whole reason for the headscarves is that under you know these versions of Sharia law you ha- women have to cover their hair that's a sign of just you can't have any hair showing so Iranian women actually throughout the country started shaving their heads Bald.
3: Say right, okay. We don't right.
0: want to wear these scarves, so we're going to shave our heads. I and seen that. Are very powerful there, and they're not afraid of the government. They're not afraid of the arrests. And we can get onto this more, you know, as we continue to talk. But uh, one of the fascinating things, and I'll point this out throughout, you know, as we as we talk about this, mm-hmm. is uh, to to pay attention to the mainstream media because the Iranian regime. Let's not ever as- underestimate them. I think that's the that's a mistake that we make specifically in the U.S. foreign policy circles. We make a mistake of underestimating. Oh, that's Iran. You know, what are they going to do? Well, they're 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 actual, they're global proxy uh, governments and lobbying and media ties and military ties. They've started these proxy kind of invasions, not only into Western powers and the political system, but military powers and other countries in the Middle East. They've spent so much money doing this. And so a lot of the mainstream media stories on the Iranian protests that you're going to hear are actually um, what Iran wants you to hear. So it's it's being very careful with what, what you're reading, where you're getting your information. I actually like to get my information from Kurdish news sources that's right. K24, right. because the Kurds are right there on the border of Iran. Uh, the the largest majority of uh, of Kurds, besides Turkey, there's a large majority of Kurds living um, in Iran as well. Now on the border, much of them have escaped just to come to the
2: Kurdistan You Iraq almost Asia. have to go yeah. to international sources to get some truth. I find in these things. So, you know, listen, a lot mm-hmm. of the media are not even reporting these stories here. Uh, first off, it's not a as big of a story here as it should be. Don't, don't you think?
0: oh no absolutely not and that's what i said with mainstream media we're not getting these stories because uh, that's what iran wants you to do they've got that lobbying power tapped into our mainstream media outlets and that's why i listen to curtis sources isn't that on iranian protests
2: yeah isn't that the truth you know you say something i have to circle around here a moment here Mm -hmm. when you talk about the women in the uprising and the empowerment of women i get excited to hear this jennifer and I, i really get Truly, truly excited to see that because that's what it's going to take as far as the movement there. You're going to have to have the women, in uh, the the women in general, step up because men have not done such a glorious job throughout the Middle East in securing peace for the regions. And quite uh, frankly, so let's hope that that's the case. But here's the thing: do you do you think truly that the Iranian w- w- women? Because you point out that well one of the empowerment tools is when the United States is behind them and when the president supports that. And I think everybody listening gets the relevancy and importance of that, uh, that if you're going to have a successful movement, it's, it's got to start there. It, it, so let's call that the, 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 the you know, that, that's a positive thing. Let's call that ground zero where we start this conversation. But the real question I asked is, and I don't know the answer to this, do they really know on the front lines there, and the people that are out in front of this thing, do they know that the American people are A, behind them, that the president is behind them, that this country is behind them? When the regime has turned off a lot of the social media, those spigots went off pretty quick, which is what all of these regimes and dictator and, and uh, establishments do. Do they really know, Jennifer?
0: They know. They know. And, and you know, maybe not all really? of them at the extent that we want to, but they know. And I can tell you this firsthand. You know, I have one friend, his name is Artis. Zardesh. Mm-hmm. and he lives in toronto canada right now but he was actually an iranian prisoner he protested the government on behalf of rights not only for women for children right. for youth for minorities uh back when he was like 19 20 years old he was actually imprisoned in solitary confinement for two years in iran before he was able to escape now living in canada so people like that there he's not the only one people like that always have ways to I contact see. people back I in the see. country to let them know hey this is what's going on there are covert ways okay. to get to the contact, and the voice does spread. But not just that, the Kurds actually have a very powerful. Um, they have a very uh, powerful. It's actually a political party, also a media. It's part of the Peshmerga, but it's right. the um, it's the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iran. It was actually started before the current party in uh, Iraq. Interesting. And they, uh, I've met with them. I've met with a leader of the PDKI. Is what they're called. And they have been working uh, so long with the people in Iran, not only Iranians but Kurds living in Iran, throughout that time because their entire goal has always been to dismantle an oppressive. Um,
2: totalitarian Amen to that. Regime. Amen to that. Well, let's get a conversation going to bring Missy into this conversation. And as we do that, so Jennifer, let's go to Missy here. But first, let me ask you: Are you you're encouraged? You you, you sound I can hear an uplift in your voice. You're encouraged with this. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, wow. so encouraged. Wow. I mean, this is, this is why I do what I do. This is why I go to meetings, This is why I love I to know. meet these people, because the pe- very people I've met with on the ground I know are among the ones mm. either communicating wow. or perpetuating these protests for freedom.
2: Well, this is exciting. I, I'm just excited to hear your enthusiasm about it, and when you say to me, and I can hear the uh, the, the uh, affirmation in your voice when you say, <laughs> they know, they know, and so that's all mm. I really i am glad to hear that, because that's really what I worry about when with the regime uh, oppressing things as badly as they do. Missy, how do you, do you see everything in, let's start with what Jennifer lays out there. Um, do you see sort of that the same kind of way? And if not, what do you see differently? How do you how do you yeah, assess that uh, out, please?
3: Yeah, and Jennifer's amazing. I just, I love <laughs> listening to her. She's incredible. Thank you so much, Jennifer. go that to you. Thank you. I, um, you know, this reminds me a little of the Arab Spring and and we kind of, after a while, America, Western media lost its fascination. Perhaps then uh, the attention's not on it. Like, like we're talking about mainstream media is a huge problem. It's controlled by corporate media and money and all of that. So it, it just depends. I know we were working on Egyptian human rights and Jennifer's so knowledgeable about that but we mm-hmm. went on the hill and we were just talking about the massacres and the you know the 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 from the protests several years ago and and the staff and in, in dc said and this this applies to anything but we were talking about some of the youth in america egyptian americans that had been shot or killed or you know fortunately gotten home but still walking around with shrapnel um so they said the staff and foreign relations said that you know we don't we're not saying this isn't happening we're not we're not saying that you are not right in what you're saying. What we're what we're telling you is that you have to take it to the media. You have to take it to the people. You have to bring it back to our office in terms of voters and people, so that somebody will do something about it. So, yes, I'm very grateful that you know we have their back, as Jennifer says right now. That that this president g- grateful for that. But how long? And when we turn our back, what happens to them? Then do they become well? But what a, makes a, you think a, we're going to uh-huh. turn
2: our backs? I mean, we may not. Maybe. We- we stay supportive with this and and uh, help them, Missy, no?
3: Well, our, the public is very fickle when it comes right. to... Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Right, right. Okay. I get a real big pause. I have to, Missy, in full disclosure with you, when you say the Arab Spring, because the Arab Spring was not a success. It became right. a, a winter very quickly. And a lot exactly. of this is because I believe, and I don't know if Jennifer and you and Betsy agree with me or not, but I believe that's where our government went too far in replacing a lot of these uh, countries, the leaders, and doing things that we really kind of had no business doing number one right. and number two you you know you get a worse situation in there because that vacuum right. was created with from you know it created a vacuum for worse people to jump into power exactly. do you all agree exactly. with that or not
3: yeah and like the the Taliban hmm. for instance but right. Gandhi Gandhi would say that be careful that you don't exchange one tyrant hey
2: form. or worse mm-hmm. a worse one I mean yes. hell you know you you yeah. kind of let's go to Betsy here but Jennifer you've seen that as well right you you agree with that
0: I have, specifically in Iraq, I think, and I've said this before, and mm-hmm. I, I do want to hear from Betsy, but I think that this is, uh, mm-hmm. we saw this in Iraq, and I think that was the mistake. I mean, I understand yeah, the Bush regime the wanting least. to, or the, you know, the Bush administration and everything. <laughs> just regime, well, when you to, look back um, at history, <laughs> Jennifer. Take <laughs> the, out the Ba'athist party. Yeah, it was t- take out the Ba'athist right, party. But right, right, exactly. Like, this is just, exactly. this is a corporate 101, or any company you go into. Like, I worked at Starbucks as a manager, and when I came to a new store, I didn't go in and clean house, even though the store needed to be fixed. I talked to all the people who had been there for years okay how does your store operate i mean we have to do that on a national level right i think right. that was Smart. the mistake we made we went into iraq we cleaned house even though yes. there were middle management people there that knew how things operated that weren't super pro Thank saddam and you know that, that well was you
2: amazing. can't do that that's where again we push the envelope too far and we got to let things settle down and let the people take control of these situations clearly we're all sort of in agreement with that betsy how do you see it yourself um, for, from your standpoint
1: well i see it from obviously from a very western standpoint and i as i um continue to look at this issue and and you know i talk to my friends who you know i run with a, a fairly well educated well informed group of people but even they don't really understand mm. what's happening and i think that's my frustration is i see how our american media mm-hmm. handles this situation i see the tiny bit of information that's trickling out there and, uh, and it's very frustrating because we're so simplistic with our news uh, so often here in the United States. And so, <laughs> for example, let, let's look at yesterday, what happened in Toronto. We had this 11-year-old girl who said, oh, a guy cut my hijab off. And, and what you see here is, is, you know, that hijab is very – we're supposed to be reverent and women want to wear one and it's our right and all that. And so women here in America are confused. Why are these women in Iran uh, tearing off their hijabs, shaving their heads? You know what have we seen in the protests where they're flying their hijabs as flags and and saying, right. "Screw you guys! I'm not wearing this." So people here in America, they're they're very confused. They really don't understand Islam. They certainly don't understand uh, Iran. And and I, and I, as I look at this as a woman. What started this whole most recent protest a lack of food right that's right women are what women are concerned with mm-hmm. feeding our children, right. feeding our families True. making sure that our country and our society can thrive so I have a lot of hope this time that this these protests are going to eventually, uh, be run by women, mm-hmm. and women are going to make them successful. Well, that's kind of
2: what I started when I said and opened it up about the women, Betsy. I totally get it, and because again, I mean, listen, you study this area historically, and the men have not done a great job. The other big point and takeaway I take from this conversation already is that you know when you historically look back at policies here in the United States, and I'll say this, Jennifer, and you as you laid some of that out early on here. Is that one of the things I see is that, you know, historically, the foreign policy of President George W. Bush is not going to be to me uh, a very notable foreign policy. In fact, quite frankly, between the Bush and Obama years, it's going to be some of the worst years in foreign policy Mm -hmm. in our country's Mm -hmm. history. That's how I feel. Uh, You see it differently, Jennifer, or do do you agree with that?
0: I mean, I I would love to agree with that. I really would. Um, I think one of the things, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, is that you know you talk about draining the swamp. I mean, just because yeah. you get a new president that maybe has the the you know wherewithal to want to drain some of the swamp and to get people in there that truly understand the region. I know even Trump said that. Of course, that didn't hit media, but he said that many times. I want people, even if they disagree with me politically, that understand these regions. He told that to Mike Pence when he asked him to be vice right. president. I want you to deal with foreign policy stuff. You know these people better, and and so somebody that's more open. But you're also talking about a foreign policy regime in the United States that is what 500,000 people deep. I mean that's mm. not a swamp that you can easily drain. And no. not 10 people that no. work in the State Department. There are tens of thousands of people right. uh, throughout there that are allowing those ideologies to spread in whatever they think is best. I mean, right now, just look at Iraq. This borders Iran. Iraq is very, very strategic, very important for anything, mm-hmm. any kind of interest or future in the Middle East. We don't even have an ambassador to Iraq right now. We don't even have an appointee. We have an Obama appointee who is appointed to a position in Iraq, kind of running the show there. And um, and we have different people going about things. No no actual ambassador to Iraq, where now you have Iranian influ- uh, influence and um and i love what betsy said about that this all started with food because that's part of these protests is that you know a loaf of bread is costing seven dollars it's been doing that for years and Mm. and i can get more to what i've been told by actual people on the ground in iran later but i mean that's uh one of the things they're so angry about is the amount of money that their government rather than helping them spent on these proxies this infiltration Mm -hmm. into other governments
1: our government put a hundred billion dollars into that economy less than two years ago. And what did that do for the people? It did nothing. Exactly. And
0: why that's so interesting is that I actually talked, I was, um, I was on Capitol Hill during the Iranian deal, uh, kind of the voting and stuff. And I was, I was arguing against it. I didn't trust the regime to uphold their ends. I was definitely against it. And I spoke to a friend of mine who is an Iranian woman. Um, is amazing. And I asked her point blank. I said, Do you support this deal, why or why not? I'm gonna go meet with some representatives, some senators, and I wanna know what you think on the ground. She said, to be honest with you, I do support the deal because that deal right now, we're paying $7 for a loaf of bread. She said this before the deal was passed. We're paying $7 for a loaf of bread. And we've been told that that deal, that, that extra money to us, our, our ability for the for the government to, you know, have relations with other economies, other countries, that's going to help us so we can finally afford food for our families. That's the only reason we're supporting this deal. And now it's now been, what, two years since that deal went down and nothing has happened. They are yeah. still paying $7 a loaf. All that money has gone to financing international so, change.
2: So here we go. So the big question now becomes, we we sense a little bit of hope and a little bit of jump in the conversation here could this be the game changer so but where does it go from here so you, you talk about food you talk about the cost uh, the cost of a loaf of bread and things that started this now it's gotten more aggressive and I, I guess if we, I, I'd you know, I'd love to get to the streets of that area and interview some of these people and see what's really going on. That would be very cool. And like you say, Jennifer, you're talking to people that are right there on the ground and that have these mm-hmm. connections. It is fascinating the way information gets into these countries in today's day and age, even when they start to turn off the spigot a bit here. Let's pick it up here with the right after the pause here about the future of all of this? Where do we go from here? I mean, how do we really help? And and that's another big question, actually, ladies, is how do we help the Iranian people? When you talk about, uh, Missy, you say, well, that's if we keep interest in it. Well, then let's talk about that. So what can we do to help support them? Let's talk about facts. I mean, it's one thing that's just hypothetical, but what can we really do to help these people? Like Betsy says, we don't really understand what they're going through anyways. Well, how could we really understand when we don't have anything like that here? So, I mean, you know, that, that should give everybody a pause to really never try to say you know everything or walk in somebody else's shoes because you haven't, you didn't, and you don't know. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio.
4: Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way.
2: We are back with you here. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure—it's a pretty heavy topic here, but it's a good one. It's—we're uh, it, talking about peace and, and 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 a future and an existence and uh, something for people who deserve it. Uh, the beautiful people that uh, you know have been so oppressed and, and so torn apart uh, throughout the Middle East. And uh, and you know, one of the things about our our team today here and all of our co-hosts is they totally understand. Um, the juxtaposition of what's happening between the Middle East, Iran specifically with this uprising that started with food, the cost of things, has now there's, you know, it's kind of tinkering on the fact, well, people are saying, a lot of experts are saying, well, that regime could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and we're talking about the regime of uh, not only the President Rouhani, but the, uh, the Ayatollah as well. Uh, and you have the religious uh, leadership there, Jennifer Wright, and then you've got the practical, you've got the, um, well, the, the, the figureheads that are appointed. But who's really running the country, Jennifer? out there really oh the
0: irgc is running the country that's the um that's revolutionary guard corps of iran and um they always have they've been the ones running the country they've been the ones that police the people um they're run by the ayatollah it's always been the ayatollah the ayatollah a little power but he's he's perpetuated it so it's always been the ayatollah is he
2: in in trouble do you think jennifer as much as Rouhani, when we talk about the regime is that what we're speaking of or what
0: the, when we talk about the regime, we're talking about the Ayatollah. And that's not just the Ayatollah that's right now in power. Mm-hmm, I mean, this mm-hmm, is the, the first right. Ayatollah, um, Khomeini, and mm-hmm. like the, the senior, because he's the one that's followed. He's the one that's followed. Um, so if you ever go into a place where Iranian influences happened, I've even been to, into a home, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to see a picture of the Ayatollah Khomeini, the senior, uh, who first came in because his kind of uh, ideology is followed. That's a more extremist ideology. And so his lineage under him just continues to perpetuate that um, the son and everybody else. So Rouhani, again, is a figurehead, you know, he's seen as more, but he also allows it. He perpetuates it. So the people blame him just as much. That's what the people in these places do. They say, you're supposed to be, you know, elected and voted to be lesser of a, an oppressive power. And you're not doing that. Um, so, you, so they do blame him. Uh, they're both in trouble. I think they're both in trouble. Well, I, I think so I think, too. Uh, you
2: know, what's interesting, yeah. Jennifer, uh, uh, Betsy and Missy is this, um, this uh they may be in trouble, but I find it interesting if you look back historically again at this region and you look at you remember the Shah of Iran, right, and the relationship America had with the Shah and what had happened there this would be first uh, the uh, the Ayatollah committee back then when there was this power shift um let's I mean, I know you know Jennifer and Missy I don't know how much you know about it, but let's go back and let's explain to people, just take a minute here or, or two just explain because. That historically was a big change over the past 30 years in Iran. I mean, at one point, we were really good friends with Iran. We had, I mean, they had a lot of Western culture. We gave them a lot of equipment, a lot of aircraft, a lot of everything. Right, ladies? Right? hmm yeah. With the and- Shah. With the, with the Shah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So w- what happened with all of that? J- Jennifer, bring that forward and tell us real briefly, and then Missy can chime into that as well. W- what happened since then?
0: Yeah, and I'm sure, um, you know, Missy and, and Betsy both know about this as well. But, you know, what What basically happened was that, I mean, it was, again, the people were, uh, the people were a lot of the people were speaking out at this time. Um, mm-hmm. they, they didn't like that. They didn't like the Shah. They thought he was too rich, too luxurious, things like that. But there was also a relationship that really doesn't get talked about, and that's between um, the Muslim Brotherhood and especially Mm in the 1950s, the Muslim Brotherhood and Iran. And most people don't know that that friendship has um, continued to grow despite it not getting a lot of media attention or feedback. Um, And yes, people will just say, well, isn't one Shia and one Sunni? That is true, but they have more similar ideologies. So, for example, the Muslim Brotherhood and some of their offshoots, such as Hamas, are, um, are very close with Iran. And now you see ISIS uh, claiming war on Hamas, and everyone's going, what? That doesn't make any sense. It actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> right. You know, the Iranian regime, um, they've, they've been very close with the Brotherhood and that kind of ideology because it's a spread of, of political Islam, of the Sharia law, the, the institutions that aren't overtly violent. Of course, Hamas has some overtly violent acts, but in the name, um, they stayed in the name of political justice or oppression. But I mean, they, they, they aren't overtly violent like ISIS and some of these other uh, right. terrorist right. groups like uh, Al Qaeda. So that's, that's part of what Iran does. That's why they're so brilliant. They'll train other military factions. They do have military, uh, uh, jihadist military units, but um, but they get into government. What Iran has done in Lebanon is actually fascinating in propping up Hezbollah. I can't tell you how many Lebanese Christians I've spoken to, Christians now, mm-hmm, mind mm-hmm. you, that really like Iran, that have that have cozied up to Iran. They say, listen, we know we have Hezbollah, Wow. since they came into power, they give Christians voting rights, and they use Christians against Israel. So now the Christians there love Iran, but a lot of them really hate israel jennifer so i find that
2: hard to believe i find it so hard to believe you know
0: uh, it is too it's not all of them but it's a it's a pretty good majority specifically the majority of the maronite christians there but it's um it is but it's true and i've seen that it's one of those things where my mouth is just wow. open maybe you know in my head it is
2: i mean but, that that uh, could be a real happening. shift that could be a real interesting game changer it's in itself lobby. Yeah.
0: Iran, the Iranian regime is able to yeah. manipulate to a way that we have never seen ever. And the okay. Brotherhood has followed them in this.
2: All right, uh, Missy, let's talk practically here a moment. Let, let's talk about specifics, please. We see the current situation right now. We're talking about, you know, all of the different pieces here and the regime being in trouble, the uprising that's okay. happening. What mm-hmm. are we specifically going to need to do, Missy, to be able to—how can we help them further? I mean, what? Where's some of the answers here? What, how do we— well,
3: how do we do this? I'm listening about the, um, the, the christians and and, right. and Lebanon, jennifer was talking about and i'm i'm thinking about and and the issues with israel some of them have turned against israel and there's a there's a huge spotlight on uh, palestine right now palestine has become the metaphor for uh the free palestine movement for ending global oppression so there's there's a, and and let me just say this and and jennifer and i have on another show we've kind of and we, we always come back to respect and basic agreement mm-hmm. but um you know, there's there's so many moving parts in this and they're going to stay moving because it's in the interest of the power players to keep everybody as confused, confused as possible and try to control the message Amen and everybody- to that. Yeah, wants to try to you know pull a seat up to the Western table here and uh, in the states so that they can use the megaphones of Western media, etc. But you know, there's a lot of Palestinian Christians, and it and the whole Palestinian. Uh, if at first glance you think Palestinians, you think Muslims, you think problems, Muslim Hamas, and all of that. But there's a lot of Palestinian Christians that you know, are, are in this and they're going to, uh, they're going to, the Lebanese Christians are going to relate to that. And there's these other pieces that we don't really talk as much about that are part of the, we, we want freedom. We want, we don't want to look at a wall every day, Israel, Palestine. We don't want to have that kind of oppression. So, you know, and, 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 and one thing that we haven't, uh, spoken here, and I really want to hear what Jennifer and and Betsy have to say, but Jennifer, and that's the, the, Elephant in the room is is Saudi Arabia, Saudi's influence, and the and the conflict with Saudi and Iran, and 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 why America. You know, we talk from time to time about 9/11 and how many how many and and what we did to Iraq, and how many um, Iraqis were uh, um, on the plane that hit. Um, the, the
2: oh, attack. I can answer that. How about zero?
3: Yeah. So, you know, Saudi, because they're in so intrinsically and in their tentacles so much mm-hmm. in America and the West, and I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I want to, you know, you speak You bring up an and,
2: interesting point, Missy, very interesting point.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, they've given, I mean, the
0: money that Saudi gives, and I, I don't think we can ever even comprehend that certain Saudi uh, leaders or princes or royalty have given to both political parties. I mean, we talked a little bit in an earlier show about, in another show about um You know, some of these international kind of systems where people are doing things, a lot of that comes from Saudi money. I mean, we're talking trillions bun anything you can even imagine. It comes from Saudi money and it's gone to both political parties. I've seen it firsthand. Sure. I've seen documentation of that. And I mean, yes, it is a big elephant in the room and we're not uh, talking about it as much. I think there is a shift in Saudi Arabia that we do need to be paying attention to. Mm. I have been there. It's one of the places I've been on the border of Iran. Um, not able to get there. But I was granted a visa in Saudi Arabia. And so I love to go into these places just to talk to locals to to go around to different countries and to see. Yeah. I was really blessed to be able to talk to I got I actually got to meet a Saudi prince. Of course, there are like a billion Saudi princes. Um, and uh, he didn't really put it out there. But he ended up being in a group that was kind of told to keep an eye on us. And uh, really nice guy. I mean, definitely a lavish lifestyle has a pet panther because why wouldn't you? And, uh, and, and but just talking to yeah. these people, and you know, it was sad for me in Saudi Arabia because I wasn't able to meet a single woman. Actually, my favorite place is there. My favorite place in Saudi Arabia was the public bathrooms at the restaurants um, or at the airport, things like that, because I could never talk to women, and they're not free to speak to Western women, of course, or really to anybody without their husband or guardian's permission. Right. And so I loved right. going into the bathrooms because I would go in there, and the moment I was in there, I would just see these head, uh, the entire headpiece come off. The most beautiful women right. I've ever seen in my life, like flawless, where I wanted to put something on my face because they were just flawless, but I wanted to hear from them, but I do know that there are some in there that think it's archaic how they live, but these are people that have never voted before. And Iran, these are just second generations of people who saw their own parents or grandparents or, uh, you know, neighbors or other people. They, they can remember, they can hear the stories of when they overthrew the Shah and how things have happened. The Green Revolution, these are first generations of the Green Revolution and, and people that are speaking out there. Whereas in Saudi Arabia, nobody has an ancestor they can even remember that was part of any kind of voting system yeah, where people wow. had a voice. Wow. So it's more just, uh, I'll talk to you about how I think our cake I don't have four wives even though I'm allowed to I love my one wife
2: I want to ask Betsy is something here a lot of our people here uh, in in the states here don't truly grasp uh, the biggest thing I hear one of the more you know, kind of ignorant statements is why does it really matter like like we're so tired of that area there's this there's this kind of naivety that goes with the fact of well why does it really matter we can't control that area we've never been able to control it you know you hear this lame sort of conversations sometimes come up like, you know, so they really don't follow it, they really don't understand it. How do we bridge that gap with keeping the interest here in the States to know that because a lot of the developments we're talking about right now throughout the Middle East and throughout the world absolutely impact the security and the being and the well being of people right here. A lot of people don't understand that and they think somehow they're protected from this. I got news for you. I mean, it's this worldwide program we're connected in some way, regard, shape, and form, as we found out before. So we have to make it our interest to make it our interest to know what's going on in these kinds of places. How do we educate people more for that, Betsy? How do we we get them inclined to understand the importance and the value of countries like this when we talk about the protest in in Iran right now?
1: Well, I've got to say, as a woman, I think that it's imperative upon... The women of the world, and and so specifically, let's come to my country, the United States, women in the United States need to, first of all, educate themselves on what these issues are, on what our sisters in the Middle East are, and and specifically for this show, Iran, are facing, and also understand their capabilities, um, the women are so strong. You know, you were Jennifer. You were talking earlier about wow. the Kurdish women. They're just amazing, and 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 uh, you know, I wish our women of our military would understand how amazing they are. I love and the way you in, just
2: called them sisters, Betsy. That that just gave me goosebumps. Keep going with this, will you? <laughs> I love that. Got to point that out because really, that's the way. That's the right understand attitude. Understand that. Yeah,
1: and right. and we. So here's the thing. For example, in the United States. We're coming up on our second annual women's March. And it's unfortunate. I believe that most of the women marching in that March are not going to understand what is happening in Iran and understand how they can help. They We, we choose to be poorly informed. We choose to be naive. We, we choose to just scrape the surface and, and, uh, and it's, it's so disingenuous and and of course a lot of it goes back to politics and trump derangement syndrome and all that if we would take the time to really understand whether women in this in this world are dealing with we would all be better off yeah. it's
3: it's human if i can interject thank you betsy you're absolutely right i believe and and i think it's it's a it's a human issue though it's it's laziness i mean humans mm. i think have too wow. too much tendency in being lazy but to betsy's point and and jennifer's articulation it's i think we need to uh, really make sure that that people are informed really press that people stay you know a, 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 Informed and aware of what's going on around the world, but you know in my my handle is sister speak out So thank you Betsy for for that that framing in and and if we take these issues And if we speak to women like these women around the world the sisterhood is global And if we we constantly work to frame things uh to women and who are emerging more and more in control in the world and, and quote I, I say uh, often is the Dalai Lama's and His Holiness and he said that the world will, will um, be saved by the Western woman and I believe that's the influence of our media, Western women the nurturing power of women the ability for us as mothers as sisters, as daughters to be able to bridge the gap and connect with our brothers and husbands and partners around the world and say we have to come from a place of heart and compassion so if we work to frame these issues that women will get excited about and connect and see the similarities sister to sister mother to mother and that we're all in this together we all have stakes in peace in the world the world has gotten so small now it's a click away we're all a click away so share stories of of the things that people can identify with Iranian women and and Egyptian women and American and wherever uh, you know Lebanese and 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 say no matter what religion you are all religions basically want peace and people want peace and keep the focus on framing it in a way that that people will stay informed. And, and work hard to uh, keep people accountable and put people in leadership and hopefully more female leadership good female leadership that uh, can make good changes and and, and well, well said Missy or,
2: uh, well said let's also tell people and inform you that there have been there have been over 20 people have been killed out there with these protests and there uh, there's about it's coming yes. coming close to 500 now it that we know of that have been arrested as well and of course the government the regime as we have been referred to them at in iran uh, guess who they're blaming for all of this uh, uprising and this cultural uh, uh upheaval here that's happened in the country the Well, small yeah. and great satan yeah that's it's it exactly always. yeah you're, you're they're blaming the united states and israel uh, yeah. for the violence because that's their go-to that they always do um well this is a really really interesting conversation if you didn't know a lot about this before i certainly hope you know about it now and what i'm really encouraged by By is the the empowerment of women that we're talking about empowering these women and referring to them as sisters and the fact that these are these are real people with real needs. And that it's just, you know, the sad part about it is, friends, it's a handful of dictators and a handful of nasty people who can not only control the narrative, but they can change the entire direction of millions, millions tens of millions of people think about that think about that how just a few people the wrong bad seeds and the wrong apples why do we know because we see that all over the place look what's going on in venezuela the Venezuelan people are sending i got friends from venezuela so the Venezuelan people are some of the most beautiful people on the planet i I kid you not these are fantastic beautiful resourceful people I, i got good friends from that area and i gotta tell you what they go through right now and, and there are friends here in the States. I have some people back there. They literally have to send goods over there because it's the same problem they're having in Iran right now. You can't buy a roll of toilet paper. You can't buy the simple necessities of life. And so there are people here sending this stuff through, through shipping means when they can and stuff to try to get some of the basic goods there as the people are being oppressed and held down and brutalized and what have you. And so what I'm saying to you, it's always a handful of people. And if you yes. could remove those people from Venezuela as well, by golly, you could change their whole program. And you know, I, I pray all the time for the Venezuela people and pray that they some at some moment get the sovereignty of being the unique people that they are and they get away from these crude people that uh, control and want to control millions of people. Friends, keep it right there. We'll pause. Be right back with you here. The Out Loud Perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and living an Out Loud life on AmericaOutloud.com. Blitzer News and Entertainment Network, where you can listen 24-7 on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Listen, here on our show today, Jennifer Breeden is here, Sergeant Betsy Smith, Missy Crutchfield, and we are having a, a really interesting conversation. Well, in part about oppression around the world, but specifically about the Iranian protest and the uprising that started about food and basic goods. As I was saying before the break, just as what's happened in Venezuela is the same thing. Again, this is where people get really unrest and the uprisings will happen. Is when you mess with people, like you were saying, Betsy, when you mess with them and their basic needs and their basic goods and the foods and things that they need and desire to. It you know have a, a quality happy life, which is really Betsy all anybody ever wants. I mean, I, I don't. Nobody's asking for a pot of gold here, for God's sakes. I mean, they want to just have the necessities and have a quality life and get on with their life, raise their kids, do awesome things. I mean, isn't that the case? Isn't that worldwide that belief, Betsy? Well,
1: I, I believe it is. Although you know, we've got to recognize cultural differences, of course, and 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 then we also have to understand what what the people of Iran are dealing with, you know, when you when you compare Iran, for example, and, and Venezuela, I, Iran is dealing with the revolutionary guard, mm-hmm. 125,000 primarily men who have been trained since little boys to do nothing but protect the regime, sacrifice for the regime, die for the regime. It, it, the, you know, I'm afraid that we're going to see More protesters die before this thing is over because the Revolutionary Guard is so vicious and so Mm single-minded and and i don't you know and we and that's always my frustration here is you know again we're going to go back to the women's march and they're going to have women walking around here in the united states wearing pussy hats and talking about how they're downtrodden and how how our government oppresses them let's talk about real oppression
2: and there that oppression is real oppression exists but it's not happening here. I mean, we have a voice. We can do these things without having somebody knock on our door and drag us out and, and bitch slap us in the middle of the highway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. And and in Iran, that's exactly what can happen. The Re- Revolutionary Guard can show up at your front door, or at your place of work or when you're out and about and and take whatever action they feel is necessary to protect the regime. You know, here in the United States, there's not a single right that a man has that I don't have. That's just the reality of it. We're not oppressed. Um, so I would implore the women of the West, the women listening to this show, mm-hmm. to do a little research and dig a little deeper and, and understand that it's not just about food, although that's a huge thing. But it's about it's just about, like you said, Malcolm, the ability of these people, these families, mm-hmm. these children to be able to live their life in a way that is that's right. That's right.
0: Uh, that is meaningful. Um, there's actually a facet of the Revolutionary Guard Corps that's called the Honor Brigade. It was started several years ago. It still continued, um, but it's it's called the Honor Brigade. They're literally tasked with um, harming, oppressing women in the street. If they see a woman that's not dressed, they will beat her in public in wow. the street um, mm-hmm. that's not dressed well enough. And so, even when we talk about these women shaving their heads, that's knowing that was because of the creation and spread of the Honor Brigade. And it um, and still continues. So it's not just even knocking on your doors, which they do. You're absolutely right. Um, it, it's uh, it's seeing them in the street, seeing whatever they think. And if they if they maybe spoke out of turn or, you know, heaven forbid, spoke to a stranger or aren't dressed the way they think they should be dressed, they can be beaten in public in the streets. No trial, no nothing, no truth, just gone. But last time I was in Egypt, I actually spoke with a group of women there in Cairo, just a little bit outside of cairo who um who remember the women's March. In fact, they were all watching it. It hits international news. And they were appalled by it. In fact, they were saying, why are these women choosing to?" To do this kind of stuff, one woman brought up choosing to wear hijabs. You know, you either wear it out of fear because you want to, but there's no like choice. That's not something that you do. Um, we wear it out of fear. We don't want to. In Cairo, it's not as strict there. But they're like, you know, they they talked about some of the things they've gone through, such as female genital mutilation (FGM), yes. um, which yes. I've met a lot of people working to stop that. That's been an ongoing problem in Egypt. Yes. And uh, and so these women were watching this women march in D.C. with no real with no real uh, voice, no real right that they were fighting for. And they were almost feeling like it hurt their cause 'cause because they're like, what does it matter if we ever do anything when this is what gets news? And what are you fighting for? America is supposed to be a beacon. We look at the rights of women in America and they were actually really frustrated. They were kind of like almost getting angry at me. I was like, I wasn't
1: there. I wasn't there. And uh, it's embarrassing. it hurts it's it's embarrassing because we trivialize, we trivialize women's rights in the United States. And and we have no so many women in the United States have no idea the real oppression that other women internationally right. are dealing with. And yeah, Jennifer, it is. It's embarrassing. It is. Well,
3: and, and the other the other thing um is that and we're talking about this that um we you know movements so often get taken apart or cut down by people inside the movement so instead of saying you know the rest of the world isn't supporting us we need to support each other first I know uh, 30 years ago I uh, got into the animal rights movement and I'm still part of that whether we agree or disagree on that I'm not going to go off on attention on that Um, but I remember different groups or some are more conservative some are more liberal within animal rights imagine that and they start attacking each other and then the movement doesn't go anywhere and it was really at the heart of it just an movement to raise awareness about you know animals and sentient beings and now we look at the women's movement and and yeah it has been trivialized and so somebody's going to make fun of somebody or you want to oh those pea hats and you know why are they doing this and and look look how far we've come and we can have that historical moment but don't make it fluffy and let's look at standing up and speaking out for women not just in america and celebrating our history and looking at what what more we have to overcome but as women around the world you know fighting for rights let's take the lead women. We're America. We're this great country. Let's, and I think we're all resonating with that. Speak out about women on the issues of today, not just the museum and the historical, you know, okay, we've come so far in the past, which is beautiful to celebrate and always remember, but you know to these points, we have to stand up for sisters globally
2: well the mis- the mistake the women are making here, Missy is that they're they're following the lead of the men and they're doing partisan fighting and they it's getting nasty back to what Betsy yeah. was saying about the march and the hats i got to tell you. There are marches being scheduled for later this year in September uh, from the, uh, the the conservative side. Uh, I know because there are people involved in our platform who uh, want to bring awareness to this. Um, what I'm saying is they're all staking out their ground on the left and the right, and there's yes. not a connectivity here. So the sad thing I see about women here is that they're following the lead of that I see the men uh, being— partisan yeah. animals and mm-hmm. not re- and, and i'm saying that with well not really with any respect but just as a fact of point which really is not a good point you understand
3: they need to change the game and and we're women yeah. we're different let's do it differently let's come from that different spot from heart and head and not well just it's going to take a lot to do
2: that missy because they're not yeah. listening i'm telling you yeah. so how you get through to that that's going to be a hell of a fight <laughs> ahead because they're not getting not it show yeah
3: show, they're not
2: getting and, and and you know a lot of and, and I'm gonna tell you right now Missy who feeds a lot into that is, is I'm gonna just tell you right out it's Hollywood. The Hollywood yeah. people are extreme lunatics and yes. these people are they mm-hmm. serve no good purpose that I can see what's in fact I'll be honest with you, I am so turned off by all of this nastiness lately and I'm ladies yes. I'll tell you right now how much has it unsettled me? I told my my son the other day, and I told some people we were with, I will not watch football. They wanted to put football on, and they wanted to know, they were talking about the Patriots might get into the Super Bowl, they have to get through the thing, I said, you know what, I don't care what the hell the Patriots do, I don't care what any football team does, I don't want to discuss it, I don't want to watch it, I don't want to even, that sport is dead to me, and I pray every day that they go bankrupt in the years ahead, because they stink. And any good American who's watching football today is an idiot. That's what I say. Okay?
1: Amen. And it's the
2: same with everything else that I'm seeing. If this kind of stuff really rattles my cage. And and so no I don't want any football stuff, but but you can bring that all the way down to all the things we're talking about here uh, with the women and the fight and back and forth that they're not really there's not an allegiance to a movement to make something good happen. And I forget, you were talking about something. I had another point to make, and it totally, I got so warmed up and outraged about the football, I forgot what the hell we were talking about. So forgive me. But, anyways, Celebrities go Hollywood ahead. Oh, Hollywood protest? Oh, Hollywood. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Yeah. There's another thing. Now, hold on. Now, I've got to get this off my chest. Now, thank you for getting me warmed up there, Jennifer. Now, back to those Hollywood people. I've got to tell you honestly. You, I seen the other day Robert De Niro going off. I would not go watch another Robert De Niro film if they paid me every ass in the seat that paid me money to go watch it. Because to me, that's scum what he's doing. I don't, you know, one of the one of the most interesting singers that I used to enjoy watching um, back from that era when you liked those old classical music was Barbara Streisand. I thought I had a great voice. I wouldn't go to another concert of hers whether you paid me whatever. So whether it's left or right,
3: Oprah's Oprah's speech was amazing.
2: You know, these Hollywood people, their movies suck. Their football games suck. They suck. Everybody sucks. I'm not going to the games. I don't care about Hollywood. They suck, 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 suck. So go ahead.
3: Stop holding back, Malcolm. Malcolm, you sound like a cop. That's how we all walk around all the
1: time.
2: Is that right? Well, I could be one, Betsy, but I'm telling you, they suck, Betsy. Go ahead.
1: Well, and that's, I, I'm telling you, I, and we're the same way in this house is, you know, we're, we stop going to movies. We stop watching football.
2: Somebody asked, oh, one of our co-hosts on Life Liberty, actually, that's who it was. It just came to me. Our co-host, Linda Martinelli, asked me the other day about, she wants to create a campaign to rattle this hashtag me too, Betsy. And she wants my ideas to what hashtag it could be. And if we would help her get behind the hashtag and make it viral and so on and so forth. And this is a message and she sent me. And you know, I think I will say, and I didn't give her the answer yet, but I think in talking to you think, I think the answer back I'm going to give her, yes, let's start a new campaign and will be called Hashtag Frig You. Go ahead, Jennifer, bring some civility back to this conversation quickly.
0: Oh my gosh, there's so much. I don't know if I have that kind of power and authority or skill to bring this into civility. But I mean, this is the truth of this matter. You know, I mean, on one hand, we're seeing this movement. And I think, you know, it's important that the rest of the world sees when people are able to speak out, when women are able to speak out. I think that helps. But then what is it that we're speaking out about? We've completely lost that. We've we've lost the ability to speak out about something that matters, not only for women all over the world, but even for women here in America. Because there are some women that are still victims of actual violence, and that's okay to do that. But now we have trivialized it so much. We've made everything okay. We have people going out against actors who just maybe didn't say the right thing to them at a date, who didn't even sexually assault them. And now they're going against them and ruining their careers, And, and they're seeing these women. And so now we have to start looking who are our role models of women? Who do we want to be like? You know what? I want to be like the women I've worked with in the Middle East, the Kurdish women, the uh, the Iranian women, these women yeah. that are speaking out for fear of death or fear of actual death. There is no women in the United States that feels like they're going to be put to death by the U.S. government. I don't care what you say. I don't care how much you hate Trump. There's exactly. no woman in the United States is going to be put to death by President Amen. Trump. And, right. and, and so that's the thing. We need to start looking at these women. Who are the role models? Who are the women that are truly standing up courageously in the face of tyranny, in the face of everything to do that? listening wow. to their problems and not trivially trivializing it to the point where their voice won't be heard because we've made our voices so loud for absolutely wow. nothing that will help them
2: it's an amazing conversations we come at you seven days a week this is an everyday kind of show uh, again 5 p.m 11 p.m uh eastern standard time or in europe the next morning 9 a.m gmt so listen we're really open to your ideas talk at americaoutloud.com stay connected a lot going on on the platform here we are so excited about this new year new shows new ideas new theories and really uh, there's a tremendous amount of brilliance the shows are incredible and we're we're so pleased to uh be here with you and have you part of this journey so thank you tell your friends tell your relatives don't tell your enemies friends we don't want any of those people so we're going to leave it right there jennifer breeden sergeant betsy smith missy crutchfield this is malcolm out loud to be continued friends